This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. If you love the earth, you love the environment, you love the planet, and you just care about the creation, then you are going to want to be here today with me on Voice of Change. So welcome to the show. It's Lauren Jacobs and it's Cape Pulpit. Today I'm going to be with a very special guest, Andy Lester, all the way out in the UK. Now Andy is the Head of Conservation at Air Russia UK, which is also an international organization. They really are doing amazing work and Andy is going to be sharing with us a lot about today's creation, about caring for the earth, how Christians need to be challenged to get involved. We're also going to be touching on COP26. Now for me, COP26 was really Really something I was watching really really importantly and for those of you who maybe don't know about COP it's all right because you know a year ago COP wasn't even important to me or back in 2019 when the last one was held but over the last two years COP has become very very important and kind of something that you know a lot of us have started to you know keep an eye on and listen to and see the outcomes COP is really the United Nations climate change conference and it was held over two weeks and and it, it, you know, it's very, very, how can I say, informative as to see what, you know, the brains, the political leaders, the climate activists are talking about. And today, Andy is going to be with us talking about this and, you know, how Christians can also be moving and thinking in our world right now, especially when it comes to the creation. But don't go anywhere if you somebody that maybe isn't so convinced isn't convinced that maybe you know the climate crisis is real is climate change you know really happening don't go anywhere because we're going to be touching on all of this today on the show and i can guarantee that your heart is going to come away inspired and stirred and also you know andy is so filled with so much wisdom has also a love and a passion for south africa married to a south african comes here often and can really speak to our reality here as well it's going to be a great show i'm really looking forward to it. Andy, it's so good to have you with me today. I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation. And firstly, before we get into, I have so many things that I want us to talk about today. But before we do that, welcome to Voice of Change. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you, Laura. You know, I there's so much that we're going to be getting into, so much we're going to be talking about. But firstly, I would like to begin, uh, you know, at the beginning of the show was telling everybody a bit about you. And then, you know, about a Russia, which I know I'm pronouncing wrong. I know you're going to do me some justice with that. You know, tell us a little bit about the organization, what it's really about, what do you do out there in the UK? Yeah, thanks, Lauren. So the first thing is Arosha uh, comes from the Portuguese word, which means the rock. And it's got named from our first field study center in the south of Portugal uh, some years ago. Now it's been in existence over 30 years. Hmm. Um, and that was our first project. It was uh, started uh, by a couple, uh, Peter and Miranda Harris. Um, and some of your listeners will know that it's bittersweet because Miranda, uh, mm-hmm. together with our international chief executive and his wife, uh, died a couple of years ago in a road traffic accident near Port Elizabeth in South Africa. Wow. 
So this is a very poignant interview for me because they were personal friends. Mm. Um, and in Miranda's case, very involved in the founding of the organization. So mm. we are a global movement, um, but a global movement that has endured quite a bit of pain over the course of the last few years. Um, and Arosha UK is one of over 20 Arosha individual organizations. We're semi-independent in that we run our own program, we have our own board, we have our own uh, directors, of which I'm one. Mm -hmm. And uh, together we work as a family to transform church relationship with nature and with community. So we're at a we're doing unusual work. There aren't many other organizations, if any, actually, out there like us, which focuses on practical nature conservation, engaging local community, engaging local church, and trying to do that all together. Um, so it's protecting nature, looking after people, and working through the church is our, our reason for being here. Hmm. You know, I was just thinking that exactly what you said is so, so very important. You know, engaging church and engaging communities in the work of not only just caring for the earth, but we're also saying conservation. We're also saying, which we're going to touch on, you know, in the interview today, the world, you know, the global reality that we are facing today when it comes to, you know, things like the climate crisis. And when we talk about what we individually need to be doing, we often leave the church out when it comes to that kind of conversation. But this work that you guys are doing is so incredibly important, engaging the church in this. But this almost seems quite new, in inverted commas, to people. You guys have been doing this work for a couple of decades, but that kind of seems new. A lot of people don't realize that the church has a role to play. And have you found that that it's kind of like, wow, you know, actually the church has a huge role to play when it comes to stewarding the earth, as that is this mandate that we actually have? Yeah, and, and things have changed a lot in 20 years. Um, actually, on my last trip to South Africa, uh, one of the local community leaders said to me, do you know what? He said, um, it feels like Arosha has gone on a, a journey where to start with, you were a bit like a secondhand car salesman. Hmm. Uh, you spent a lot of time trying to prove to people that caring for the planet was the right thing to do, and many churches just ignored you. Uh, but he said, now it feels like it's come of age where actually churches are knocking on your door and saying, we get it now. Um, we're sorry we're so late to the party, but we want to take a lead. And so I think for a long time, the church was playing a catch up uh, where it was reading up on the theology and thinking, is this theology sound? Mm. Should we be connecting uh, Christ to nature? And should we be caring for the planet in this way? And the majority of churches have come to a place where they're saying, yes, absolutely, we should. Uh, and so we're now in a place where we have no lack of churches and denominations working with us mm -hmm. and wanting to work with us. It's not everybody. There yeah. will always be people out there who will uh, dispute what we're doing. Mm. But we have a, um, we're in a much better place now than we were even five years ago. The challenge, as always, is is keeping now keeping up with the demand uh, mm -hmm. because we're living in a broken and hurting world. And there are many, many people out there who need that message of hope for creation. Hmm. 
Wow, absolutely. And I, I actually am so, so happy to hear what you've just been saying. You know, actually more churches getting involved and realizing that this this is this theology is sound. We know it's sound. And well, for many of us, we like, oh, this is sound theology. Come on, we need to be caring for the creation. But hearing churches getting more involved. Have you found, I know that, you know, focusing on the UK, but I'm going to touch on South Africa really quickly. Has there been, a, I don't know if this is a question I should be asking you, maybe you know a little bit about this, but has there been a response from South African churches in general or what's kind of the feel here? I'm wondering how involved, you know, there are so many things that happen in South Africa on a daily basis, as we know, you know, churches getting involved in fighting gender-based violence and trying to change, you know, racial reconciliation and all these kind of things. And then we have the, the earth, the world, conservation, the environment, which we're so blessed you know to witness here in South Africa is the church getting involved in this you know is this something that you've kind of seen globally that people in churches are getting involved with and saying yes you know we need to do something now so there is a big global shift and I think the global shift has started with uh, Europe and North Mm -hmm. America um, and then spreading to other regions but the messaging is different The Global South and the Global South churches are coming in with a very different message to the rest of the world. And that is this, that for us, this is about our very survival. Mm. Um, I talked to um, one of the leaders from an Christian indigenous Amerindian group uh, while I was out at COP. Mm. And the message there was simple. For you, it's about changing your lifestyle. For us, it's about uh, adapting to a world in which if we don't change now, we risk dying. We risk Mm. having no food. We risk having no house. We risk having no forest to hunt in and to look after. So it is a survival factor for us. So that has been the case in South Africa, where I think the church is perhaps not yet as engaged Mm. as it is here in the UK. But where it does engage, it recognizes that for many communities, this is a question of survival and not just adaptation. Mm. Sure, that's very powerful. That's uh, that's really something to take away from, you know, our conversation today. And again, as this was a conversation I was having with someone just last week. We were talking about developing nations, you know, things things are very different in developing nations. We even see it with, you know, the impact of COVID. We even see it with the impact of just usual things that looks very different in nations that are what we consider first world countries or developed nations. It, it is, there's so many different aspects of this. And you touched on COP, which I want to, you know, get into a bit on, on the show today, because I think it's so important that Christians be exposed to what is happening. And now COP26 just took place, and we know it was in Glasgow this year. Um, for those of the listeners who don't know, COP is actually the United Nations Climate Change Conference. And I know that you guys were there, Andy, and I know that, you know, there was a lot that was happening over two weeks. What was your feeling or sense about everything that was happening? a cop obviously that's a big question because you have two weeks of a lot of different conversations you know a lot of different people speaking you know we have this global deal which we're going to touch on what was your sense about the last two weeks of what was happening at cop 26 well lauren that's that is a big question a massive one (laughs) into a a meaningful summary i think the most overwhelming feeling and this is a positive one 
-hmm. is that it was the first time in my life I've looked around a conference hall and I've seen people literally from every country on the planet speaking their own languages Mm. and a very large number of indigenous uh, people groups represented there who were also present in force and lobbying for their rights and their beliefs but also an enormous number of Christian leaders from uh, churches across the globe. Uh, and they were working together and walking together and praying together and sharing together. And it felt a little bit like a kind of Noah's Ark of people of the global community coming on this boat and saying, you know, we're going to have to radically change the way we work together and the way we act, the way we behave, the way we think if we're going to avoid what could be a climate catastrophe for the planet. Mm. So I think in in summary, uh, that would be my starting point on this bit of the conversation, Lauren, that yeah. it, was, it was an overwhelming sense of people coming together. Obviously, the results uh, are another bit of the conversation, but yeah. that was the kind of most encouraging takeaway from it. Mm. That's lovely. It, it is lovely from my side to hear. I saw some beautiful photos of different uh, Anglican bishops from around the world standing together and just taking photos together at, at COP. And one of them was a South African woman. And I couldn't, you know, I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but it was lovely to see so many people getting together and and just hearing what you're saying, people coming together and also speaking, you know, their own languages and also indigenous people groups, super, super important. And and I think that, you know, you touched on something that I think the listeners also need to hear is that, you know, when we saw this, this address by the COP26 president, Alok Sharma, he was very tearful and apologized very much, you know, towards the end about, you know, this global deal and how long it's taken political leaders to get together and decide on things and working towards a world where, you know, we don't just have so much talk, we have, and we need action. And I'd love for you to just share a bit with us, you know, I'm so grateful for the positive side. I'm so grateful for the hope and the coming together. But we also know that there's a reality behind this. And I'd love for you to just share, you know, there is a lot of mixed feelings after COP26. People call it, you know, the the, the hangover afterwards of what are we going to do? We've heard all this information. It doesn't seem positive. You know, could you share a bit with us about that, especially for the listeners who maybe don't know actually a lot of what we're talking about and are saying, you know, what is Andy and Lauren going on about today? Is this something mm. I need to know? Absolutely. I mean, I think the first thing is the aim, uh, the original aim of the conference was to get an agreement on getting rid of deforestation, to get an agreement on new payments and a new payment structure for people in the global south who need to receive money mm. to help them transform to a greener economy uh, and also looking at the bigger picture moving away from fossil fuels at speed so that we become a very very quickly a coal-free planet yeah. but increasingly a oil and gas reliant free planet so there were some very big aims of this conference and the reason the aims are so big for the listeners who are thinking, well, how is this relevant? Our temperatures are rising and you know, you only need to travel around South Africa to encounter that where um, my last trip to SA, um, I was just north of Johannesburg on my way to the Palansburg. 
And the temperature on my car dial registered over 40 degrees Celsius in the sun, mm. uh, in the shade. And um, on the radio, they said that today the temperatures north of Joburg were record breaking for the third day in a row. Wow. So people in South Africa, as well as your listeners in Brazil and in Iran and in other countries, know full well that their climate is changing and changing fast. Mm. Now, for people in the UK and Europe and North America, changing climate means we're seeing patterns of wildlife shifting. We're seeing plants growing earlier and later. We're seeing crop seasons altering a bit. But if you talk to some of the indigenous Indian communities in Brazil and Peru and Chile and Argentina, they will say that they're struggling to know when to plant at all and they're getting repeated massive crop failures. So there is huge relevance to these discussions mm. because for many people, this is about whether you're going to be able to feed your family in three weeks' time, let alone three mm. years' time. So that is, the, that is what we were faced with with this summit. And then the question is really, did the summit actually succeed at all in delivering aims? Well, yes and no. Um, I guess the first bit of this was around deforestation, Lauren. Mm. Uh, and there was an agreement signed by over 100 nations that said, yes, we need to stop deforesting and we need to do it by 2030. But for listeners in Brazil, you'll be thinking, well, what on earth does that mean over the next nine years? Yeah. Because actually, we can see a situation where deforestation will accelerate until we reach a moratorium in 2030. So that is a problem. Big then there's a second problem about fossil fuels. Hmm. Um, the Brazilian government, together with the Chinese government, the Nigerian, the Iranian government, all really hard pushed back on getting rid of coal. And so instead hmm. of phasing it out, the agreement talk about phasing down. It means we would reduce it. But as we're speaking on this program, I'm looking at a new announcement that has just come out on the Xinhua News Agency in China, and it congratulates the people of China on a record-breaking amount of coal produced in 24 hours. Wow. 12 million tons of it. And so there is this extraordinary hypocrisy where we are saying as a planet we are in real trouble and yet in practice things are not changing at the speed that need to change at mm. so on the downside lauren it's the reality that for people in south africa and brazil in iran and in many other countries this is going to be all about survival and changing the world the world in a way that means there will be crops to grow there'll be forests to care for there'll be wildlife and pollinators for the future yeah. and communities will thrive. But if we don't adapt at speed and acknowledge the threat, then we are in very serious trouble very quickly. Yeah, uh, so we all want to stay under, one, under two degrees Celsius rise yes. in temperature. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, the global agreement, it's borderline whether we will or not. You know, Andy, I want to say thank you for highlighting these points to us because I don't think people realize the reality and the reality that we are facing. And I know that two weeks ago, just from a South African perspective, two weeks ago, we know that Germany just said that they would give South Africa over 12 billion rand. And that is to get away from coal. South Africans are very upset about this. Um, and there is a reason why we are upset about this. We're not upset about the coal. 
But we are upset about the fact that Germany is going to be giving 12 billion rand to South Africa so that we can begin to phase out the use of coal. I'm sure, as you know, we have load shedding in South Africa and it's been a problem for a very long time. That's because, you know, sometimes we don't have coal. The coal is wet somehow or we've sold it to somewhere else. So, you know, we have this problem where we don't get electricity because there are all these different problems. But now we know Germany are giving us all these billions in order to get away from coal. And the the reason why this is happening is because, you know, we are in these climate talks and because we're trying to phase out the use of coal and South Africa is excited about getting rid of coal, but we're not excited about all this money going towards our government because we just don't know then if we are going to get rid of coal. You know, we We've seen over the last few decades how our money just goes missing. So we really want to get rid of coal. And this is the reason why maybe the listeners don't know why, you know, this money is coming to us. It is to to do exactly what, what, you know, Andy, you are sharing with us, to phase our coal, get rid of it. There are different ways that we can be getting our electricity. And, and we, we as South Africans are only just praying that this money is going to go to the right place so that we can do what we want to do. And I know as well what you were sharing about temperature rises temperature in Cape Town as well. I have seen, I've grown up in Cape Town, I've been here almost 40 years of my life. The climate in Cape Town itself has changed so much. We never got thunderstorms down here. You know, you usually get that up in the Low Fountain in Johannesburg. We've had more thunderstorms in Cape Town in the last two years than we had in 10 years. Things are changing and we are experiencing it. What about our drought that we had? We were on day zero, you know, heading towards that time where we were going to have no water. Water was being cut off all the time. You know, we didn't have that. There are other parts of the country that are in day zero. You know, we've seen things that are happening. So this is a very real reality that we are facing in the world. And there's a lot of almost denial that that this is happening or a lot of people say, you know, this is just normal. You know, this is just the Earth's natural way of thawing itself out or just this is where we need to be heading. And I'm sure you've heard some of this as well. And isn't it a bit challenging when you hear these things and you say, people are saying this is conspiracy. There's no such thing as climate change or there's no climate crisis that we are dealing with. Do you find that quite challenging to hear something like that? (laughs) Much less than I used to because far fewer people say it. But um, one scientist said to me the other day, there will always be people out there who will believe that the earth is flat. Mm. And there comes a point where there's no point in going on arguing with them. Uh, And the same is true for people who believe that climate change is a lie. It's either a government lie. It's, it's a natural cycle, whatever it may be, they'll point a finger and say you're wrong. And my answer to them is this, I'm not going to argue with you about it, but surely the changes that we are promoting can only benefit human health, human Mm. well-being, the future productivity of the planet, and the future resilience of nature. So even if you don't believe the cause is human-related, so what? Join Mm. the campaign to make a difference for a healthier world. You know, even if your motivation is ending, ending the impact of air pollution on asthma sufferers, it's nothing to do with nature or your impact your interest is making sure that we've got pollinating insects for our fruit and vegetable in south africa brilliant you may not believe in climate change is caused by people but at the end of the day at least you can agree to work with us mm. so that is my my line it's it's about uh, a coalition of the willing 
irrespective of your belief system so that we can work together meaningfully for a better future. Mm, I love that. You know what? I've been enjoying this conversation so much that we haven't even got to a music break on the show today. And you know what? We're going to take a really, really quick music break, but I don't want you as a listener to go anywhere because Andy is still with me. We're going to be touching on, you know, some good news after we get to some music, but enjoy the song and see you when we get back. Here with me, Lauren Jacobs, here on Voice of Change today, and welcome to the show. If you've just joined, I hope that you've been with me from the very, very beginning because Andy Lester is with me, Head of Conservation at Arosha UK. And we have been talking not only about, you know, what COP has been up to the last two weeks and what we as believers really need to be considering and the challenges that we are facing But you know what? I want us to touch on some, possibly some very good news, which I was excited to hear about when I heard it. Andy, I know that Russia UK has been actually doing quite a lot and has now decided to do even more with, uh, I don't want to even, I've got the press release in front of me and I'm, I'm busy reading it and I'm thinking, I'm super excited about everything that you guys are going to be doing, you know, and have committed to. So before I read out the press release and get super excited myself, tell us what you guys in the UK have decided to do, you know, after COP and also just looking at everything and saying, there's, you know, 75,000 acres of land and this is what we're going to do with it. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think the first bit is we recognized as a Christian community and and an organization representing Christians in the UK that there is a huge demand now for us to take collective action to reverse the impacts of climate change on nature. So we call these nature-based solutions uh, where we work with nature to help lock in carbon dioxide, produce oxygen and provide for the planet. Um, And so we recognise that in the UK there are about 500,000 acres of land that's owned, looked after, managed by church and church organisations. Now, the reality is in the next five years, we cannot possibly help or hope to transform an area that size. Um, So we've taken a percentage and we've gone for 75,000 acres which we feel is unbelievably ambitious, but we think we can do it. And we are now going to be working with churches and church organisations up and down the UK and also our overseas territories uh, to help transform land for the benefit of wildlife, Mm -hmm. uh, for climate and for people. And we need to do this together. This is not about isolating it and saying we're doing it for nature. We're not doing it for people. We want to include both so that communities are fully engaged Mm. and to that end um, we have a network of 5,000 registered churches in the UK that are part of our eco church award scheme and we've also got uh, 26 partners in action these are organizations around the country from friaries and convents through to cathedrals and schools that are working at scale to help us reach that target and transform space for people and nature The most amazing bit, Lauren, Mm. is that in the last six months, we've ended up with a queue of 49 new projects around the UK that say they want to join with us and transform the UK. And this is from big estates of several thousand acres all the way through to one or two acre urban community farm projects in our rough inner city areas. And they're all saying we want to work together. Mm. We want to pray together. We want to train and learn together. 
and we want to grow together, uh, rejoice in the good moments and weep mm -hmm. when things are tough. And that to me is inspiring, encouraging, uplifting. And it's a reminder to your listeners as well that we may sometimes feel that government is really detached. Hmm. We may sometimes feel that the money, as you quite rightly said, may well go into the wrong pockets. Hmm. And that can leave us feeling really deeply despondent. But the, I guess the strongest message I can give of all is that if community works together and if the church is used as a conduit for bringing community together, we can be an incredibly powerful grassroots movement. Um, somebody said what we need is a green light movement where we switch lights on that say we as a community are committed to changing the way we live, to our lifestyles, to the way we worship, to the way we pray. And we are going to do it together and at scale. And even if the governments can't do it, we will lead the way in doing it. Hmm. And that it's irrelevant then whether it's the UK or South Africa or Brazil or Iran or Australia, whatever the governments are doing or not doing. We do it at scale anyway, and we can transform this world. Hmm. Wow, Andy, you know, that, that was, you just, you know what, you just answered my next question that I was going to have for you. What is the challenge, you know, how, and and for me, listening to you is, is fills my heart with hope because it is true that in this world, you know, we are hearing a lot about things that are kind of negative, you know, the, the bad impacts. And we do need to be aware of that. And so we can hear those messages. And sometimes the documentaries we watch on TV speak to those messages as well. But there is a hope that we have. And I think mm -hmm. that that hope is what you are instilling in us today as well. And connecting us with, you know, this incredible hope, this incredible mandate and calling that we all have and what we can do right where we are. And just it is it is so profound to me, the amount of people, churches, like you were just saying, that are getting involved. It is it is incredible. And it does fill me with hope. And I'm sure it fills fills many people listening with hope to say this is real. We can make a difference. You know, it's not just all doom and gloom. Yes, we can do things where we are at. And so that's, that is kind of a challenge that we can take on board. Now, this leads me to the final thing I wanted to ask you today. You know, people could be listening and feeling that hope, just like I'm feeling and feeling that challenge and being stirred up. So what is the first step to, you know, kind of getting engaged, getting on board? Is it that we need mm. to think about how are we living as individuals? Is it that, you know, we need to kind of get involved somewhere or look to, to our own, you know, communities where we can help, specifically when we talk about the earth, when we talk about climate, when we talk about conservation, when we talk about our societies? Is this just something that people can do? What is the practical steps? Is it individual? Is it in your home? Or does it need to also, you know, be bigger than that? Wow. I, I was thinking about that as you were speaking, and I've written down three things, mm -hmm. and they are prayer, practical action, and petition. So starting at the very top, there'll be listeners who are thinking, I don't have any land. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to survive day to day right now. I don't know how to begin to make the lifestyle choices and decisions that I need to, and I know I need to. Where on earth do I start? And the starting point for me is down on your knees in prayer. Mm. Um, I was visiting a township in Cape Town uh, on the Cape Flats uh, two years ago. 
and talked to some guys who lived there. And the overwhelming thing was we need to survive. You know, yeah. we need to survive. That is our basic need and our basic right. And so how on earth do we start to engage with caring for the planet and the threat of climate change? And I said to them, the first thing you do is to pray because we're a God of miracles. We serve mm. a God of miracles. We serve a God who is able to heal the lame, to cure the sick, to give sight to the blind. And therefore, if we believe that we're in a, we serve a God of miracles, then however hopeless the situations seem to be, uh, change can happen as we pray. And we have a God who listens and hears uh, and he underpins our hope. So I think that's the first thing. And the second on the practical action is there's lots of things people can do. Um, so if you are in Brazil and listening or in South Africa and listening, actually Arosha uh, operates uh, out of both countries. So mm -hmm. look at the website for the Arosha International website webpage. You can find out more about what is going on in your own country. Uh, Arosha South Africa is very well established and has practical projects that you can get engaged with. So do do feel free to link up with the team out there. But I think in the household, it's about making really simple lifestyle choice changes if you feel you are able to. So for example, at home here, um, we are cutting out red meat mm -hmm. unless we're only eating it once a week, which is a, a family full of uh, South Africans is quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah. um, but if we are eating red meat, we are take, making sure we're sourcing it really locally. Mm. We're not eating imported red meat. We're eating red meat that's been butchered very locally to where we live, which mm -hmm. cuts out the carbon miles. The second thing we can do is start to grow fruit and vegetables uh, right by the places we live. Uh, it can be very inexpensive to do and can provide mm -hmm. us with that sense of of hope and inspiration. Let's find fruit and veg that is drought resistant and we don't need a water quite as frequently as some others, but let's mm -hmm. start growing things. And if we grow things together, it can really inspire people. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I guess the third thing is get involved with other local initiatives. There are a lot of local initiatives um, across South Africa, as there are over here, where community are engaging with nature on river cleanups, Mm -hmm. um, on planting trees to help uh, deal with the carbon emissions and to help reduce temperatures and create space for wildlife. So you'll all be aware of initiatives in your local area. Mm -hmm. Get involved once a week and volunteer and, and help and also encourage your church. So that brings us on to petition, mm -hmm. which touches on what you said right at the beginning of the interview, Lauren, which is about how do we inspire and equip the church? And the starting point is to go to your church leader and say, we need to do something as a church community for nature, for climate, and for people. Mm. Uh, let's come up with something brilliant, creative, imaginative, fantastic. And if we imagine the impossible together as a church, think of the transformation we can make in our local community uh, to other areas, from food shortages right the way through to water shortages. So we can do it if we do it together, but the church can take a lead. So it's prayer, prayer, practical action and petition, petitioning your local church to act. And I think those three things together can make a profound difference. Mm -hmm. 
Andy, you know, thank you so much for that. I think that those points are so, so important and so powerful. I saw in my local community where I was living before I moved was, you know, in the middle of the city, which was, it was quite a big town. In the middle, they had a huge vegetable garden that they were growing with people that were living in the community who, you know, didn't have access to fresh fruit and vegetables. And they were growing it there right in the middle of the city. And it was so, so amazing. And people from the community, you know, also came and helped and got involved. And it was actually so beautiful because when you used to drive past there, you just saw this beautiful green, you know, and it was like just in the middle of this really dull city, you know, with all these dull buildings. And it's that those kind of initiatives are so powerful and they are happening in our communities and in our cities right where we live, you know. And I think, but everything that you have shared with us today, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for your wisdom, Mm -hmm. you know, and for also sharing what is happening in the good news and also the reality that we serve a God who hears and who sees and who knows and, you know, petitioning our churches and prayer is also so so powerful and I think that we must never ever forget that one of the things that I reflect on when you were sharing is um, something that happens in our big it's in the big church that's in the center of Cape Town and once a year they have a blessing on the earth and they have a blessing on the animals and so they ask people uh, who have all sorts of animals from, you know, if you have a, a pet pig, which I had when I was growing up, or you have, you know, a cat or a dog or birds or whatever they may be, you actually bring them to church. You take them to the church and uh, it's quite interesting and can be quite funny. And there's a blessing that's prayed, but it also shows people you, we're interacting in what is considered a sacred space with nature. You know, in this beautiful building, everyone's bringing their pets and the animals along. It is absolutely beautiful because we are sometimes so cut off from nature, from the earth or from animals. You know, you go down to the grocery store, you buy some meat. You don't think about what you're buying. You're so cut off from these different realities. But yet churches are are getting involved like that and saying, bring your animals. We're going to bless them all. And people do. People love it. And uh, it made me reflect on that because it kind of makes you interact with animals in a different way with the nature and the environment, the earth in a very different way when we are realizing they are part of our sacred space because they absolutely are and a reflection of, of God, the God that we serve. So I think that that's so powerful as well. Yeah, Lauren, I think that's a, it's a lovely point. And um, we do the same over here. A lot of the Anglican churches do a, an animal blessing. In fact, our lo- one of our local churches does a pet blessing mm. where people bring in their dogs and cats and parrots and <laughs> gerbils and hamsters <laughs> to be blessed and grateful. So cool. Um, so which is quite, it's quite a lovely touch. But I mean, I, I guess my kind of my final message really to your listeners is despite what we're faced with and what we're faced with is pretty challenging. Mm. There are many people who listening to this will fear the yeah. future for their children and their grandchildren. Uh, There are many people listening who are deeply concerned about government corruption Mm. and the misuse of finances. But I think as we've been kind of staying together all the way through this program, there's real hope, you know, that actually the church can make a profound difference. And we stand or fall together. Mm. Uh, We've got a choice of which of those two we do. And I certainly, for one, choose to stand, um, however Mm. hard it gets. Mm. however dark the days get 
uh, I choose to stand and I stand with all your listeners uh, mm. and know that stand together we will make a profound difference to this planet and this world. Hmm. Amen. Andy, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. To end on that powerful note, I want to say thank you. And, you know, also just pray all the best with everything that you're doing, everything that A-Russia is doing as well, internationally in the UK, you know, in our different countries, nations, even communities. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I'm so looking forward to hearing more good news that's going to come out from you guys in the next couple of years, the wonderful impact that we're going to make. And, and thank you so much for reminding us that we need to do this together as well and just such a blessing over you and your family as well as this amazing organization and thank you for being here today it's been a pleasure lauren being with you and hope we can talk again in the future absolutely thank you so much and take care god bless you know andy gave us a lot to think about prayer practical action and petition i think that each one of those can be unpacked and really looked at really turned over and no matter where you stand today on the climate crisis and climate change, you know, it is so, so true what we heard on the show. There is a lot that we can be doing that is going to impact the earth for generations to come. Regardless of where you stand today, we all have a role to play. And as believers, we need to realize that we were given a mandate right at the beginning of creation. That mandate was to care for the earth, steward it well, you know, to rule over it as it says in Genesis, which doesn't mean rule with this iron fist of not caring. It means to rule as a servant as well, is to serve the creation and to be there for it. And that includes you know the forest the earth everything that is around us we have a responsibility to care to steward this earth well and you know because all of creation as it says in our most sacred sacred of all you know the bible itself says that all of creation it reveals the glory of god we can see the invisible qualities of the god that we serve revealed in that which is around us the natural world the closer we get to the natural world as well the closer we sometimes feel god's presence it's when we're out in that desert when we're out you know by that lake or that river when we're far away from the noise of the cities and you know all of that chaos that sometimes happens in in this urban world that we're living it's when we draw close to nature when we're in the middle of that forest when we hear the sound through the trees that we often experience god's greatest glory I don't know about you, but I know that to be true of my life and many, many other people that I know. So even in that, it's a little lesson for us to know that the earth really reveals God's glory and his invisible qualities. And we have this great, great responsibility to steward everything that we have been given well. So let's do a good job. And you know, ending off the show today, I want to ask that we continue to keep our situation here in South Africa in prayer. We know that as we spoke about on the show, we've been given resources to phase out coal. And many of us want that to happen. We know it needs to happen. But we also want those resources to be used, you know, properly. We want to see us taking a better stance when it comes to the earth. We also know that actually South Africa is in the top 10 of being one of the highest, most polluted countries in the world. We pollute so much here. We can do better. Come on, let's do it together. So pray, get involved, and petition your churches to also do something amazing. It's been good to be here with you on Voice of Change today. I hope and believe you've enjoyed the show. And until next week, God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.